If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Up the Podcast. This is episode 241 called Tara Lipinski. Okay, everybody, today's guest really needs no introduction. I'm so, so excited to share my conversation with the incredibly phenomenal, so sweet, so generous Olympic figure skater icon, Tara Lipinski, who's going to tell us all about her five-year-long and counting infertility journey, which she describes as hell. So Tara and her husband, Todd, recently launched their own podcast, which is so good. Definitely check it out, you guys, after you listen to this episode. It's called Unexpecting. She and Todd, TNT, they call themselves, are really, really great to listen to. They're so honest. You know, they talk about the highs, they talk about the lows, they talk about everything that they've gone through. So definitely go give Unexpecting a listen. But I really can't tell you guys how much I adore Tara and how you'll hear we had that instant bond that somebody who's gone through recurrent miscarriage and rounds of IVF and grief and anxiety and trauma has. I know you guys know that bond, Um, but she is just super passionate about blasting stigmas and normalizing the conversation around all of this. I cannot thank her enough for that. So I also want to add in really exciting news that Tara is also speaking at this October's Fertility Rally Live virtual event. And the tickets to that event, as always, are totally free. So I am knee deep in planning that event right now with my rally partner, Blair. And you can reserve your free ticket by going to the link in my bio on Instagram at Infertile Stories and also at Fertility Rally. So link in bio, reserve your free ticket. You can come the day of the event, which is October 21st. You also have 90 days to watch everything, including Tara Lipinski's headlining keynote speech. So you don't want to miss that talk, which will be totally different from the one you're about to hear. Anyway, it's the phenomenal global icon, Tara Lipinski. I feel like she and I will be friends for life. She's so, so sweet. And I'm truly grateful that she shared her story with us today. So without further ado, this is Tara's infertility story. Hello. I love your dog. (laughs) What kind of dog is that? Oh, do you see him in the background? He's yeah, a walking around. coated retriever. Oh, cute. He's a he's a good little boy. Yes. <laughs> of course, he's like, here, I may have to get my husband to get him because he like knows when I'm doing things. So he's I like, know, I'm my camera. 
Yeah. My dog is over there sleeping on the couch. So we'll see if she stays over there. If she jumps on me at some point, but I know you're a dog person because I've been listening to your podcast, which is so, it's so nice to meet you. I'm glad I'm doing this. No, I'm so happy that you are too. And I'm so happy that you're coming out with your show that it's out. I've been listening to it. It's you, TNT, you and Todd, you guys are so freaking cute. Like you're, I love the, the, you know, the palpable love that you guys have and just the way that you guys are going through your story together. It's really cool. Oh, thank Um, you. And I'm sure how's the feedback been from like listeners and stuff? It's been really great. You know, obviously it was so scary to, so the feedback has been really incredible. I obviously was a little, you know, anxious sharing my story that first day I just hit send on Instagram because it's been a long five years Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to expect. And it just felt like so much to start to put out there and catch people up on. But it really has been so meaningful to get these responses back from, you know, my fellow IVF and infertility warriors and, you know, just constantly connecting with women and couples that are going through something so similar has been, like I said, meaningful, but rewarding Mm -hmm. and um, has just been really, really great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listening to you guys tell your story, I have to say so many, I'm like in the car, like nodding emphatically. There's so (laughs) many things that you say. And even the way that you say it, like that, I'm like, yes, exactly. Same. I was a secondary infertility mama. My second kid is through IVF. And so I've been there and, you know, I have a fertility community now with hundreds of women where we talk about this all day, every day. So I'm like entrenched in this world, but I just want to say that what you're saying is so relatable. So thank you for, you know, putting, using your platform because, you know, it's when someone who's a huge celebrity and a global, you know, elite athlete and, you know, who you are, like when somebody comes out and shares this, it really does make a difference. And, you know, I know that we have the same goal of normalizing the conversation and talking about all the shit, the hard stuff too. Yeah, it's all hard. (laughs) But no, you're right. I feel like the, you know, getting messages from, from women that are saying, you know, I'm in the trenches of a cycle or I'm, you know, going through a miscarriage right now, that has been, you know, it's, it's almost like for me, full circle, because that was me on my fake little account that I had. Your Finsta. I know. I looked up your Finsta. (laughs) Trying to connect with women just by watching them go through what we were going through to feel like I was not alone. So Totally. It's been, it's been crazy now being open about it and, and really connecting. Right. Tell everybody the name of your Finsta account, because um, you mentioned it on your podcast. And it's, I it's looked Neela it up. Storm 2018. I've been getting so many requests and I, I need to go through them, but I've already, now I have the unexpected podcast Instagram and my own, and yeah. I've said on the podcast and obviously, you know, every day, please, t- you know, DM me, message me. Oh and my, my God. husband at night is like, oh my goodness, Tara, like, you can't go to the Mila Storm account right now because like it's 2 a.m. Go to bed. I'm like, no, but this woman is telling me about what she's been through. And- I know. <laughs> yes. Well, let's, I always love to start at the beginning with my guests and say, you know, did you always want to be a mom? And I think I know the answer because I've been doing my research and reading about yeah. you, but tell me I about did. that. I really did always want to be a mom and I was an only child. So I definitely wanted to have more than, you know, one child and, you know, just what I was sort of envisioning, you know, down the road. Um, But I was never really one of 
uh, those people that was, oh my God, I, I need to start a family right now. And that is, a, you know, in my twenties or even thirties. So, you know, if I'm honest, it was something that I wanted to do as late as possible, but I definitely wanted to do it. <laughs> well, one of the things that you said that, again, I was nodding emphatically was saying that like you saw in magazines, like, oh, this celebrity is having a baby at 42 and, but they never give you the backstory. It's not like it right. was through IVF or it was a surrogate or whatever. I remember a specific moment when Halle Berry had a baby in like her mid forties. And I was just like, oh, cool. And I hadn't had, you know, my kids yet. And yeah. I was like, you can wait as long as you need to. And that's you know, what you I talk- thought. And it's, yeah. it's crazy that I thought that just because, you know, I could have, you know, I was really lucky at the time in my twenties and thirties to, you know, have the resources to freeze my eggs. And it just really never even crossed my mind. Cause I think I just, liked the conversation of, you know, women can do anything whenever they want. And that is great. But I think when it comes to fertility, um, there needs to be more education and more real stories of what's happening when you are in your thirties and forties trying to conceive. And I think like you, I would look at a, you know, a a magazine cover and I'd be like, cool, I have a few more years, no Mm -hmm. rush. hundred percent. Yeah. And another thing that you said that I really related to, and I'd love to get into it more was just the lack of sexual education that we had. Like you and your husband were both saying like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. That's all that was drilled into our head. And I feel like 95% of the people I have on the show, that's what they learned as well. It was like, you thought getting pregnant was so easy because all you ever heard was don't get pregnant. Don't do it. Yeah. Right. So and I feel so robbed. Crazy. Like, do you feel robbed kind of about like the lack of education we got? Like, well, God. I, I, I truly think that when looking back, I just feel like, oh my God, Tara, you were just so not in touch. You were so, you just had no idea about your body or reproductive system or right. anything. Right. I was so, you know, in tune with my body as an ad- athlete that you would right. think I would have connected the dots on things. And I just didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's so interesting too. And again, you're so honest on the show. You know, you revealed the fact that you didn't get your period until you were 25. Were you like worried at all about that? Or no, was it just, I, didn't, okay. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about it because I was so focused on my, my skating career, but right. you know, I did have, you know, doctors that I saw that were watching what was happening. And I think, you know, I was, I didn't go into it on the podcast, but I had a lot of other issues, I think mm-hmm. just from you know, from maybe the stress or just genetically with um, a lot of pituitary problems that were causing a host of issues, you know, thyroid. And, you know, it's, it was, it was a lot to go into on the podcast. So I just didn't, but um, I finally found a specialized doctor who could get my, my pituitary back in check. And the Mm -hmm. moment I went on medicine, you know, my cycle started. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really anything to do with, you know, even I thought it was, oh, I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. It really had nothing to do with that. It was, you know, me just kind of putting off this part of my life because I didn't care. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually I was like, okay, I got to, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out my thyroid and I got to do right. it all. Right. So I love the story about how you and your husband met at the ESPN sports awards, right? We were, it um, was the sports Emmys. Oh, the sports Emmys. <laughs> yes. And um, it was 2015, which it feels like ages ago. Right. <laughs> and then when did you got, you guys also said you didn't really talk about family building, like you got engaged fairly quickly, I guess you could say. And then, you know, had you, you hadn't talked about like what your family was going to look like or when did, when did that conversation enter the fold? 
it really, you know, obviously we both knew when you meet someone, you both talk about kids and potential family. So we both knew we really wanted that, but we didn't have serious conversations about it, which is crazy because I, I was 35, you know, when we, you know, well, I was 34 when we got married. So that's like a time we should be having these discussions. And I just, it wasn't on my mind because I thought I had time. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, so common. You know, you said in the people article, like you didn't think there was a time limit on it. I'd love to get into what happened when you started, you know, seeing an RE and going through treatment and all that. I know a lot happened, so we don't need to get into all the details and everybody should listen to your podcast to hear it all in depth and hear you and Todd talking about it together, which is so cool. But, you know, I'd love to talk through kind of the the broad strokes of it. So when did you first see a fertility specialist and what did they say? So it was in 2018 or yeah, going into 2019, 2018. So I just wanted to really find out about my fertility. And I go into that on the podcast of, you know, Mm -hmm. hearing a friend's story and then just being intrigued and, you know, wanting to know and make sure that everything was okay. Because, you know, like I said, I definitely wanted children, just didn't know, you know, exactly when we were going to do it. So, you know, I went and, you know, started the process of, of doing an egg retrieval. Okay. And how did it go? It did not go well. Um, we really struggled through that one and we didn't get the the results that we were wanting. You know, you want to walk away with embryos and you just, you know, sometimes it's, you know, like IVF is not a guarantee. So we had to go into another um, cycle and I did a back-to-back cycle. So mm-hmm. yeah, we moved right. forward there. So you talked about how the first retrieval, you had zero genetically normal embryos. And I'm so sorry to get, you know, for anybody who gets that phone call, it's because it's such a mind fuck too. You're like, wait, I thought this was science and you're throwing all this money at it. And how could it not work? Right? Like what was your reaction? It's just shocking. And then the fear of really wondering what, what is wrong? Does this, Mm -hmm. does this mean we have other issues? Mm -hmm. And I think, um, for me, it was just a big wake up call. It was like, oh boy, you know, you thought this wasn't something you were going to think about and have to worry about in your life. And you were just going to magically get pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So then you went right back into another retrieval cycle. Right. And what happened with the second one? That one, we got lucky. We got two normal embryos and we were so relieved and so happy just to sort of get to that next hurdle, which is, you know, you know, at the time I thought we were going to be done with retrievals. Um, but you know, getting past retrievals and, you know, knowing, okay, so we can make our own, you know, genetically normal embryos. Mm-hmm. Okay. And had endometriosis come into the conversation at all yet at this point or no? I mean, I think I always suspected I had endo, you know, there were some symptoms, not the typical symptoms. I never had, you know, traditional or not traditional, classic sort of symptoms of, you know, cramping and heavy cycles. I I just didn't have that. Um, I had all, you know, my husband and I laugh that it's, it's called butt pain, but I had, you know, these, these crazy stabbing pains that alerted to, alerted me that I probably had endo, but again, I didn't do a lot of research and I thought, oh, that's a big, scary surgery. I'm not going to do that. So just live with it. And so many doctors don't know how, I mean, it takes usually 10 years for people to be diagnosed with, with endometriosis. So I think, you know, along the way, doctors were probably just like, oh, like take an Advil. 
Right. And that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. And also as an athlete, you know, obviously you trained so hard your whole life, you know, was it almost like you can deal with this? Like you're, you know, if anything physical pain, like kind of suck it up. Like, did you get that vibe at all? Or did you feel, put that pressure on yourself even? I just, I mean, I was used to a lot of pain as an athlete and, mm-hmm. you know, injuries. And I just, you know, always had found a way to kind of push through and cope through. Yeah that type of pain. So for me, it was just like, oh, this is just what's part of my life. You know, it's sort of probably like when I hobbled around as an athlete with an injury, it was like, okay, well, this is just part of the day. You got to get through it. So I definitely did. I mean, I, I, I feel for, you know, so many of the women that have, uh, you know, debilitating pain where they can't do that, you know, where they are struggling every single day. And my symptoms were not that obviously I did have symptoms and they got progressively worse. And I now struggle Mm -hmm. with it more than I did from all these treatments. But I do think that, you know, when I, whenever I do get a pain, I just think, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky because there are so many women with endo that maybe aren't getting that gold standard of, you know, Mm -hmm. treatment, surgery, excision surgery, anything to relieve their pain. And they're, they're living like this on a daily basis. Right. When did you learn about the Receptiva DX test? Because I know you you work with them on your show and they're one of my partners yes. as well. And I think that they're really doing innovative stuff. So when did that come into the um, um, landscape? I really, you know, I was researching everything on this journey and I really wanted to be able to self-advocate and, you know, find every possible answer because unexplained infertility is, you know, it's such a crappy <laughs> diagnosis. And, you Absolutely. know, for me... Uh, you know, I, I followed on my account, the egg whisperer, Amy, Dr. Yes, Amy. Yes. I love Dr. Amy. I do too. And I think she is just, I mean, just an incredibly talented and, you know, kind mm-hmm. doctor mm-hmm. Uh, that really cares about spreading information, yeah. accurate information and reaching out to people and, um, helping them on this journey. And I think, you know, I followed a lot of her posts and I remember at, at one of them said, you know, unexplained infertility, like keep asking, keep, keep, keep questioning your doctor because there's usually an answer. Now it could be like a needle in a haystack, but it's mm-hmm. there. That needle is somewhere. And who knows, maybe there's too many different combinations and variables and not enough tests out there to find it, but, you know, make sure you, you check off all your boxes. So that's how I came across Receptiva DX and especially Mm -hmm. with my endometriosis um, diagnosis, I realized how important it was Mm -hmm. to take that test. Mm -hmm. Okay. So after the second round, you said you had two genetically normal embryos, a little girl and a little boy on ice, as you said, right? On ice, which is Um, like, like, I laugh now because I just truly think like, was this all like <laughs> in the cards that I was supposed to like go for my my ice skating career to right. getting you know embryos on ice? Um, right, exactly. We, we did get them, and it was obviously we were so grateful because that's another thing. You know, going through this, I've been in sort of every situation possible. Right. Um, so knowing that there are a lot of couples out there that struggle to make it to that um, point where they're able to get their own embryos we obviously feel, you know, grateful. Yeah. I think it's so, it's such a roller coaster of emotions, right? I mean, there's like such high highs and such low lows. Um, I want to ask you about the mental aspect of this and just like mental health. And, you know, one of the things I think is so interesting is like, 
as an elite athlete, you know, gold medalist, all that stuff, all your life, you've worked really hard at something and you've achieved success, right? It's like hard work pays off. But with infertility, it's just one of those areas where it's not the, the, the work does not equate with the results. And it's so hard to wrap your head around that. How was that for you? Like mentally? It was, it was difficult, you know, cause I like to work hard at things and that's what my, my life consisted of for so long, you know, mm-hmm. one singular dream and focus and, you know, I could, I'm type a, a little OCD, so I could definitely sure. just like hone in on that. And that's what I, I wanted to do with this. And like you said, infertility, IVF, nothing's guaranteed and it's your body that's in charge. It's just, you know, you're along for the ride. And that was something I had to, you know, I was always like counting on my calendar, trying to like map everything out. And I was like, you know, you start to go through this and you realize like IVF just plays or infertility just plays these cruel jokes on Mm -hmm. you where it's just like, you can't count on anything. It's just whatever your body does that month. This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, Finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf. Thanks, Vegamore. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, I think the lack of control, too, is so frustrating because it's like even the dates change or your body doesn't cooperate, yes. so things get pushed around. And it's like, did you then feel... You said to hope to start then. And, you know, it's, you know, anything that can go wrong goes wrong. I feel like, you know, so many women I talk to, it's the same thing. So it's not unique to me, but I just was like, oh my gosh, like, can anything go smoothly in this process? No, I mean, I feel like with your story, you and Todd's story, you know, you, you did face so many different obstacles. Let's go through it a little bit more. So then what happened after... You did a third retrieval, right? In 2020. We actually did a third and a fourth retrieval. And we okay. go into so the two, podcast a little bit about yeah. what happened there, but we, yeah. we don't really kind of know. But we didn't um we didn't have any success with either of those retrievals. And and from there, then I realized, oh, well, yeah, from that point on, we tried to get pregnant naturally. And mm-hmm. then we did. It was our first time ever trying. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously had a miscarriage, which was mm, just, you so know, sorry. devastating. And we found out it was an, a genetically normal embryo, which is, you know, even more confusing. And then, you know, a little bit alarming because then you're in this smaller subset category of what else could it be? You know, it's like unexplained infertility, of course, what can it be? But then you're starting to get all these da- like data points where you then are trying to figure out next steps. So mm-hmm. it was just, I don't know, it was just, it kind of just felt like one failure after another Mm -hmm. um, and all different kinds, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just, and we were in COVID, which was Mm -hmm. really difficult. And I was always afraid the clinic was going to close. And we just went through um, a period of time where IVF and infertility, you know, was literally all we thought about all day because it was like we were stuck at home. We weren't able to socialize because of COVID and we were going through these back-to-back cycles and miscarriages and it was difficult. Yeah. What were some of the, if you don't mind sharing, you know, I've been really vocal how when my husband and I were going through this, we almost got divorced. Like it was bad. It was real bad. It just, we, you know, at a point, a certain point I was like, I just had the blinders on, like you said, kind of singular focus And he was kind of, we already had our daughter, you know, I said secondary infertility and he was kind of like, why are we putting ourselves through this? Like, let's just be a family of three. And I was like, I'm not done. I'm not, you know what I mean? We just weren't seeing eye to eye. So with you and Todd, did you guys ever have a point where you just weren't on the same page and it was, it got really, really hard between you two? I think like I, you know, IVF on marriages and partnerships is incredibly difficult. And, you know, going in, you would probably think like, why? We're going to support each other. It's not like we're blaming each other for, you know, having endometriosis or, you know, whatever it could be. It's It wasn't that. I think what makes it really hard is just your day-to-day life changes so much. 
And it depends on your personalities, how you deal and cope with grief, how you deal and cope with the stress, how you deal throughout a cycle. And, you know, for me as the woman, I was doing all of it, you know, and it was COVID, like he literally would come in for five minutes for his part. And I was making the appointments. I was in on the discussions. It just, it, it took over my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I did, I wanted to make sure when we did these cycles that we were giving ourselves the best chance possible. So, you know, I did set up a lot of rules of what we should be doing and lifestyle choices. And it just, you know, that, that takes its toll on a marriage. Like, where is the fun? You know, I would think that all the time. I'm like, what are we doing today for fun or, you know, connecting beyond IVF and, Mm -hmm. and so we really, made sure that, you know, I'm pretty vocal with <laughs> how I feel. So, you know, early on. I love it, that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we need to, 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 to get through these hiccups and bumps in the road and be on the same page just because, you know, I, he, he said it in one of the other episodes of just like, you know, he finally realized that yes, this felt like it was controlling our life, but that, you know, his advice for partners would be, you know, really understand if someone's giving you these directives or, you know, you know, changing, you know, our lives together so dramatically, it's probably because, you know, they are desperate, they are scared, they are anxious. And you can be like their biggest cheerleader. You can be the one to, you know, help them through this. And I think that that is like a really important message for anyone out there listening in a partnership. Because like you said, I think if that wasn't the case, I don't know how after five years we would have ever gotten through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. At what point, Tara, did Dr. Danica Thornberry come into the mix? You talked about her, her um, and acupuncture. Um, I I went to her right from the start and okay. she is just the sweetest woman and she is, you know, she's very opposite of, of me, you know, just so calm and, and so, so spiritual. And she was a big part of my journey and not just, you know, going to acupuncture and trying to balance my hormones, but just emotionally and helping me mentally try to you know, release some of this control that I wanted to hold on to so badly and to just learn patience. And that's not easy for me. (laughs) And (laughs) all of, all of those things that, you know, you can control in infertility. She was really giving me the tools to, to figure that out, whether it was Mm -hmm. diet or, you know, trying to meditate, which I'm, I'm never good at or journal or whatever it could be. She she definitely pushed me to to explore these areas that I would definitely wouldn't have without her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to your story a little bit. What happened after COVID? Like, so you guys kind of made it through the COVID, but did treatment ever pause for you or were you guys kind of still going through it we, the whole time? Yeah, we were lucky. We were very, very lucky that we were con- able to continue. Um, every day it was like a touch and go thing though. While right. We were instead of like lockdown and everything like that. And, and somehow we, we did it. So I'm very grateful for that, but no, we, we kept going and then, well, actually now it's kind of where we're caught up to on the podcast. So I'm not going to really share the the rest of that just because I know so many people are following our story and and the reason why we're sort of releasing this podcast now is just, you know, I think it was so hard for me to talk about this for five years. Um, 
And it wasn't something that I could do in real time. So about a year ago, um, we just set up a little studio in in our basement and (laughs) started filming these. And sometimes we'd have to take breaks and sometimes it would be too hard. And sometimes it was really healing for us. And um, we did that. And we're still kind of currently filming to the place we are at now. We're Mm -hmm. in a much, um, a much more hopeful uh, space right now, which I think gives me sort of the ability to talk about my story so in depth and, you know, make it so public, but, you know, it's still really hard after so much loss and trauma and PTSD. And I don't say PTSD lightly. I struggle through my days. And when you start getting good news, it's, it's a good problem to have, but it's also, you know, it's, it's taken over my life in a different way where I'm, you know, just dealing with so much anxiety and, you know, you just are always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Absolutely. Especially when you're so used to getting bad news. It's just like, you're like, yeah, I'm always on the wrong side of the statistics, right? Like you're always... Well, you yeah. always, I mean, now I'm even afraid to go to like my regular doctor, like something has happened where, you know, I, I, for so long, I don't know how we just kept hitting every appointment where it would be, you know, bad news or I'm sorry, or this failed or you're miscarrying or, you know, so it's, it's like, if you get good news, you're like, are you sure? Like this doesn't seem right. right. You're like, are you like talking to the right person? To yeah. Yeah. You're, I'm, you're talking to the wrong person. Right. You know? you're like, like I was the person in the clinic that like, you could tell all the nurse, everyone's like, oh, I, I feel sorry for this one. You know, like mm-hmm. it just was, it was, yeah, it was a, a long journey. And now it's now dealing with all of that anxiety and yeah. just trying to like hold your breath through all of it. I even feel like when I start talking about it, I like get out of breath because no. it's so, it's so hard, you know? Can I tell you like my, so my IVF son is almost eight now. So that's how long I've been kind of on the other side for lack of a better term, but I'm still really immersed in this world. As I mentioned, I still get like that PTSD stomach, like physical reaction when I think about certain things that I went through or when I'm talking to someone and they mentioned something, it's like, even right now, my, my, I'm getting the chills. I'm welling up. Like it's, 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 it's so like, I don't think people really realize. Cause it's like, you know, I, I talk about that on the podcast a little bit where it's like, I know how grateful I am. Look, I know how grateful I am to even go on this journey. And I know that there's so many people that can't, and that's like a whole, you know, another issue that I, I hope I'm so passionate about. And I hope that will change where, you know, infertility and and people going through IVF, they're going for a reason to build a family and they're struggling and they have medical issues and these things should be covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I preface always, you know, my journey and my struggles with that, but it, you know, just because I was able to do it doesn't really take away from the fact that, I had so much trauma happen to me and I've been through so many losses and, you know, dealing with that grief. I, you know, go to a lot of therapy and, you know, you sometimes think like, okay, I got this. But the more I realize, even when I start to watch back these episodes before they, they go out, I like well up with tears. Like you're saying, you just, it's almost like an immediate reaction that's in my body. And it's not even in, you know, like, my my rational thought because I've tried so hard to come to terms with all these things, but it's still like remembering these moments is 
so terrifying, you know? And I just think of all the women out there that silently feel these feelings Mm -hmm. and probably don't feel like they can talk about it so openly because it's like, oh, women just deal with miscarriage. Women just deal with loss. And, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. I was talking to somebody who did IVF like 40 years ago when it first started. And she was like, I didn't tell anybody about it. Like it was just, I mean, we have come a long way, but there's so much, you know, still so much much more we've come to do. I mean, even egg retrievals, I feel like, you know, I was saying this the other day where it's like, I feel like in 2015, when I met my husband, it wasn't as talked about. Now it's, it's a much more, you know, it's a topic of conversation. You see it on TV, you Mm -hmm. read about it in a magazine, but I still think that it will take a long time. I think that there is just shame around yeah. what women go through when they're not able to conceive or there's a loss because I think for, you know, it's like a general, it's, it's a perfect storm of a generational thing of, you know, years and years and years of, you know, your grandmother probably never really openly talking about grief or loss or something totally. they were going through with a miscarriage. Who knows? Like, I don't even know. Did my grandmother have miscarriages, you know, it's just has to be, you know, a topic that you feel comfortable sharing. And I just don't think people really do yet. Yeah, absolutely. I can't stress enough, you know, agree with you enough that that's, you're exactly right. Well, Tara, I want everybody to listen to your podcast and you can, they can hear all the details on unexpecting where you and Todd go through it all. And you guys are just, like I said, the dynamic. It's, it's just, it's entertaining and it's sad and it's all the things, you know, it's the highs and yeah, the lows. I mean, we and- try not to make it, you know, it's like such heavy content that we try not to make it, you know, depressing. And so it, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of light moments, a lot of funny stories. And, mm-hmm. you know, I realized we, we started talking like when I'm now rewatching these a lot about our relationship. So it's, yeah, it's, well, that's all part know, of it. It's all yeah, interwoven. It's, exactly. So yeah, it's been a wild ride and I can't believe now people are actually. <laughs> I know, right? It's just so, still so weird. I, I kept this so private for five years and now I'm like, oh, ev- like when I'm walking outside, I'm like, do you know? You know, clearly, you know. <laughs> totally. I'm sure. Yes. Um, Just a couple more really quick questions. If oh, somebody's yeah. listening that is new to this world and maybe they're the fir- this is the first time they've heard you talking about it. What advice would you give somebody or like what you wish you knew when you kind of first started five years ago that you know now? You know, it, it's hard. I, I think like I've been asked this question. I don't know if I have the answer because it's, it's like, I guess I wish I knew it wasn't a guarantee and maybe I would have started way earlier and, you know, pregnancy, whether natural or through IVF is just not something that's, you know, given to you as a gift. And when it is great, but there are a lot of people that don't get that. So I, you know, I would stress that if you have the resources, if you're able to do an egg retrieval, if you're able to go through IVF, if you're, you know, concerned about something that's going on in your, you know, reproductive health that could cause issues in the future, you know, freeze embryos, you know, there, there are, you know, the science is here and it's, it's amazing. So the only problem is, is it's really, really expensive. (laughs) Um, But I do think that, you know, advice wise is really just go with your gut. Cause I feel like, you know, the way you handle it or the way you approach it, whether you're like, I I'm going to have a glass of wine every night of my egg retrieval, do it, 
Or, you know, if you want to go the other way and really be strict, do it. If you want to grieve. And, you know, I found myself when I was like going through loss, I dealt with it much like I did as a skater where I just, you know, really took it hard and I cried. I'm sort of an emotional person and I'd let it all out. And I did that with all of my losses or failures. And, you know, I kind of pity myself and lay on the couch and, and I let that happen. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think like, oh, is someone like, you know, going to think that I'm not trying to be positive or be grateful for the other things in my life. And I would, I just knew like that was my process. Mm-hmm. I needed to get it out. And then a few days later, that little urge would come back and I'd be like, okay, time to get back, you know, yeah. on the ice, time to get back into competition, time to like go right. get these, the, these embryos or, you know, another pregnancy or whatever it was. Yeah. But again, I think advice is too, is like, if you're going through this and it is hell, because a lot of times it is hellish, it's if you and your partner or you just decide this is not for me, like I'm okay. You know, I, I've tried this. I've, you know, gone through a lot. And like our next avenue is going to be a child-free, kid-free life. And that doesn't make us unlucky or that we didn't win. Because I think that's hard too. So many people are like, go get them. And it's like, well, yes. at what point does maybe someone not want to go get them? Like they've been through so much trauma. Right. That's why I have personally have a problem with the term, like don't give up because I feel like if you pivot, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of people that are childless after infertility. And I know that that's a painful thing for them too. Like if you pivot and you decide you want to stop treatment or you, you know, your mental health is more important, things like that. Like the fact that people perceive that as giving up, I feel like is just such a wrong connotation. It's like, You're no, so right. you just took a different path. And, you know, you, so many people can have a wonderful life without children as well. So, right. Yeah. You know. I think the don't give up literally is saying someone like, if you give up, you're losing. And yes. That's, that's, that's terrible yes. messaging. Exactly. Um, but again, there's so many things that I've realized to now being on the other side. And maybe I made these mistakes, you know, five right. years ago, but just what people say to you during infertility and even, right. you know, your, your closest circle. And you're just like, oh my goodness, like, wow. Right. Like I feel those emotions in a very certain way. And it's, and it's not anyone's fault. I think they want to say the right thing. They just don't know what to say or don't know how to, you know, be there for you through mm-hmm these losses. And again, it just goes back to pregnancy really is to me, it's when you wait the 12 weeks, which I understand why people wait if you wanted to wait the whole time, but it's the one thing in the medical world where sort of the, the tradition is to wait and keep that news to yourself, which now is, you know, I don't know when you think about it, then what happens when you don't tell a soul about this and then you just keep it to yourself. And again, there's just not enough, you know, conversation around it. So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I fall into that category because I isolated myself from even my closest friends for a while. So again, right. point being, however you want to deal with it, deal yeah. with it. Feel the you feels. I, yeah, yeah. I had four miscarriages and I remember thinking like, I don't- Oh, you had four? Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm so sorry to you as well. But I remember thinking like, you know, people are like, well, don't say that you're pregnant if it's too early. And I was like, but then I don't want to be like, I'm having a miscarriage, but you didn't know I was pregnant. I'm like, I'm telling people because I need people to help me if it doesn't right. go well, you know? Hey, yeah. You need that support system. And oh, I'm so yeah, sorry. No, I same. Mean, when you start going through the repeat pregnancy loss, it is a cruel, cruel 
Yeah. Thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I have five really, really rapid fire questions that we'll end Sorry, on. I can talk and, and talk, you and talk so You just gotta, you gotta. No, I would talk to you me in. <laughs> several more hours. I just know you've been doing this and I don't want to keep you over time, but rapid fire infertility in one word. Hell. Okay. What's your favorite post-treatment treat? Pre-treatment Valium. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> you That's, know, like when you go into your transfer, oh, that, was like, that was the best treat That's, of... <laughs> yeah. That's what I always tell people. Take the Valium. 100%. Take the Valium. Yeah. The anesthesia. That was that was yes. the best part of the journey for me. <laughs> exactly. Okay. I'm like a drug addict. I'm not. No, it's just... no. I got a break. <laughs> totally. What's the best trashy TV to watch? Like when you're recovering from a treatment? Ooh. You know, I always loved watching comedies because I didn't want to find something that maybe was triggering in any way or had me really like overthink things. So mm-hmm. I just would watch like comedy specials and anything to make me laugh. Okay. When's the last time you went ice skating? Oh my goodness. It's, you know what? It's been a while and it's been way too long. It's at, at least three months at this point. So okay. Okay. I need to, to get back out there. Okay. And last question. What's your favorite non-fertility podcast? Ooh, my favorite. Not, I, what's so funny is I, I do, you know, when I was going on this journey, I was listening to as much fertility stuff as possible, but I have to think what's my favorite non, my husband and I, my husband picks them all. I'm really bad with the names. We love all the, like, you know, I mean, we started when we first met, I think cereal was out and it would oh, be like yeah. our thing at night when we first met to like lay in bed and and listen to the podcast together. We haven't done that in a while, but he's the one that picks them. So I, I don't even know what we have on our list right now. Okay. Fair enough. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much. And thank you again, honestly, for everything that you're doing and the light you're shining on this. And I'm just really honored to talk to you and please let me know if there's anything, you know, I can help you with or whatever, connect you with people. I'm sure you've got that all covered, but yeah, I just thank you for taking the time. It was so lovely to meet you. It really was. Thank you so much. It's in in all you do and, you know, and you've been through it yourself. So it's, it really, like, I feel like I get emotional when I I like talk to people that, you know, even you just saying you've been through like, it's like, you know, and I feel that when I get all these messages, cause it's like, you know, even the people closest to you don't always get it. And then a stranger, I feel like I can connect with who, you know, we have this shared experience. So it's a, it's like the instant bond. Like you cut through all the bullshit and it's like, oh, I see you. I get you. Like I get you. Like, I don't know you, but I know what you've been through. I know what you're made of. And I, you know, you, you have that thing. So anyways, thank you. Well, sending you, you and Todd so much love. Thank you. Thank you. Tara Lipinski. You are just phenomenal in so many ways. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for sharing your story and being so honest. Thank you for speaking at Fertility Rally Live, which is going to happen on October 21st. Guys, the tickets to that are totally free. So check out the link in my bio on Instagram at Fertility Rally and also at Infertile Stories. You can reserve a free ticket starting today. Again, it's totally free and you have 90 days to watch all the programming. So it's Tara Lipinski, it's Deja Riley. We're going to announce a lot more speakers and panels and breakout sessions. So we have tons of giveaways as usual as well. It's just a great event where you will walk away feeling empowered and educated and supported. So 
check out Fertility Rally Live. It's virtual on October 21st. You can check out your free ticket where I said on our Instagram. And I just want to thank Tara again for being so generous with her story. And, you know, it really makes a difference when somebody in the public eye like her talks about this shit. You know, it really, really moves the needle. So thank you. Thank you for listening. If you're having a hard time, please reach out. Sending so much love to you all. And I'll talk to you guys next time.